A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jens Lehmann has not been beaten in the Champions League for 14 months. Who's the hero? Is he German or Argentine? Rick Helmay. Lehmann saved it! And Arsenal are within sight of the final, thanks to an extraordinary start by Jens Lehmann. Hello and welcome to this week's In Lockdown. We are now well into Series 2, which is brought to you by our friends at Lavazza. Today we're in lockdown with Jens Lehmann, our German goalie who played every single minute of the invincible Premier League season in 2003-04. He also played a huge part in winning the FA Cup final the following year and played 200 times in all for the club. So there was a lot to talk about with Jens, so we've had to split the interview into two parts. We'll tell you about part two at the end of the show and remind you how to subscribe so that you don't miss it. I want to go well right back to the beginning when you joined the club um, from Borussia Dortmund in in 2003. You had you had won the league, hadn't you? In Germany, won the Bundesliga in 2002. So why did you decide that it was time to leave Germany for a new challenge? Uh, because I was at Milan, and um, I was only a short time there, and I always wanted to go abroad again. And um, then this offer from Arsenal came. Whereas when I when I was playing for Milan, I had an offer from Liverpool, mm. and uh, but I didn't want to go there. So uh, I was by myself. With the family, it probably would have been different. But you you were looking for a new team, a new challenge. When I was at Dortmund, yes, and um, I knew that Borussia Dortmund had some problems because of the financing and um, the financial situation. And I always looked at Arsenal and said to myself, okay, uh, David, he's not the youngest anymore. Um, sooner or later, they may need a goalkeeper. And then, fortunately, a, a teammate of mine who knows a scout, he said, if the scout is allowed to call me, and I said, yes, let him call me. And uh, I think after a couple of days, uh, I was on the phone with Arsenal. I knew, I knew, and I was a bit disappointed. I knew that they had uh, somebody else in mind, um, Canizares. Oh, the Spanish goalkeeper. The, Sp- the Spanish guy. Yeah. I have to say that um, I knew that they had him in mind, and 
unfortunately um, it didn't work or whatever they made a decision for me i guess because i'm much taller um, and i would uh, fit better into the premier league yeah and then arson got me for very little money i have to say yes i was going to ask why it was such a cheap deal because i was surprised at the time it was um was that because both you and Borussia Dortmund had agreed to 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 move on? No, um, my contract was expiring a, deal, a year later. Mm. And I said to them, listen, I know that um, you will have some problems in a year. And I, I know that I want to move on. And you got a second, a number two here. Um, you bought him because you want to replace me sooner or later. And they agreed because they were under pressure a little bit financially. Yeah. Um, the coach didn't want to let me go, but I told him, listen, you have to let me go because um, this is my chance and I'm going. Yeah. At the time, I think there was no big money for goalkeepers. No. Yeah. So uh, imagine if I'd gone now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a lot more. <laughs> um. So you mentioned you were you were watching Arsenal. You knew that David Seaman was getting towards the end of his career. Yes. But also, it's such a big challenge to take over from, uh, you know, per- perhaps the greatest goalkeeper that Arsenal would ever have. From had. a legend. Yeah, absolute legend who who the fans loved. So that was a big challenge for you. You were obviously uh, ready to take that challenge. Well, I didn't really think about it because I knew that my style of playing was so different to his style. And uh, when I saw the team playing, I thought, okay, um, I would fit perfectly into that style uh, because they were playing forward-going football. And it was my style. I knew that they could uh, play a little bit higher up. And that actually happened then. So um, I was not that much about uh, replacing an English legend. I was happy to go to England uh, to learn about the culture, to learn about different style of football, and I knew that in terms of fame and uh, probably love, I didn't have a chance anyway to replace him. Um, so I didn't really. I wasn't. I wasn't keen uh, to try my best in uh, satisfying the fans, as you may have seen on the pitch sometimes. so yeah it's if you when you're a bit experienced you know what you can do and what you cannot do yeah so you just wanted to play your own game and and bring your own style to the team yeah but you did become loved by the Arsenal fans in in your own way in a different way um, I imagine to David Seaman um you, you said about your your spell at AC Milan you only played a few games there and all of your other football had been in in Germany so what what did you notice was the big difference moving to England, English football? Um, and I'm not talking just on the pitch, but off the pitch, dressing room, organisation. What were the big differences for you? Well, first of all, it was quite off the pitches. It was very relaxed. And they expected some kind of professionalism and uh, discipline. Mm. And as a German, mm, that's the least you can bring to the table. Then they had a different perception and a different uh, routine about times. Because, for example, for my first game, I was stuck in traffic going to Highbury to the meeting point, And I was calling Jono, the team manager. Yeah. 
And uh, I was panicking a little bit because from Germany I knew, oh, if you're a minute late, they kill you. Yeah, if you're mm. a minute late for the departure for the game, they kill you. And Jono said, well, take your time. You know, it's 10 for 10.15. If you're not here by 10.15, you come by car to the hotel. And so I thought, oh, okay, okay. Um, but I still managed to uh, come within that little 15-minute gap. And nobody really looked up and, you know, it was nothing special. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I was shocked because in Germany, yeah, they look at you like, okay, we're going to lose the game because of you, because you're really late. <laughs> so did you like that? Did you like that? It was very different to what you were used to, but was it yes, yes. more relaxed? Yeah, more relaxed. But on the pitch, the pressure was much higher. Yeah, because uh, the expectations of the fans or the manager particularly when you come into a new team, they look at the goalkeeper, what is he doing? So that was much higher. And um, I loved it as well because uh, I had so many disappointments throughout my career and I was used to pressure. Mm. And so I, I was good in uh, coping with pressure. You preferred that to, to bring your level up, your performance level up. What about in the dressing room? Who did, you, who did you get on with at that time? Who were your close teammates in the dressing room? I started early to to connect with Freddie. Hmm. Um, then I remember, I think it was on my first away game. I was sitting at the French table, and uh, because it was free, there was a there was a spare seat, and nobody talked to me. They all kept uh, talking in French, <laughs> and <laughs> so I was sitting there. And uh, I think it was for dinner and for lunch the next day. I was sitting at the so-called international table um, next to Dennis. I always was sitting next to Dem Dennis in the bus and at the tables. You know, we weren't friends, but we were, you know, we were teasing each other because he was Dutch. Yeah, and the Dutch and German rivalry. Yes, yes, yes. And we, we always took fun out of the Dutch and the other way around as well. Okay. So did you find it difficult, because your whole career, pretty much, you had been surrounded by Germans. Um, did you find it difficult not to have that same uh, mentality in the dressing room? Did you, did you get frustrated at times? No, not at all. I mean, um, even at Schalke, I was playing long years for Schalke. And there was Juri Mölder, a good friend who was from the Netherlands as well. Uh, so, and, a, and a coach, at the end we had a coach, a Dutch coach. So I liked their mentality and I wasn't, I, I went sure that I was not only surrounded by uh, German players. Yeah. Um, um, I, I knew from my experience in Milan that I had to, um, adapt a different culture and not the other way around. Yeah. It was not German style. It was international style or French style or English style at Arsenal. What about your other goalkeepers? Um, you were the, the number one for every game, pretty much. You played every Premier League game, every Champions League game, every FA Cup game in that first season. Mm -hmm. And Graham Stack was your understudy. We spoke to Stacky a few weeks ago, and he said that you got on so well because you both knew that you were going to be playing, and you were both happy with that relationship. Was that how you, was that how you saw it? Yes, that was always a great relationship between me and the keeper who knew you wouldn't play. <laughs> Stucky was a great guy. Um, I was a good footballer, but I, I would say Stucky was an even better footballer than I was, I'd say. And so um, I admired him for that. I knew that um, 
he didn't have my ability as a goalkeeper, uh, but he was hardworking and at the same time he was very funny. And uh, I still would like to see him actually. I don't know where he is right now, but it was always fun. Even when I look, when I think of him now, I have to laugh. <laughs> yeah, he worked. He works for Watford now. He works. Um, he was assistant manager at Watford. Um, but he had nice things to say about you, and and he said in training you both knew you've got your certain routines and he tried to help you with that, your warm-ups and your preparation. Can you tell us about your routines? What did you like to do in training and before a game? Uh, I think it was a combination where all the three or four of us came together at the first time. There was Stuart Taylor, who was supposed to be the next English number one. And I, um, I, I expected him to challenge me, but he didn't. And um, Stuart was injured, unfortunately. Uh, quite often yeah and uh, so Stucky was a number two then and I had my routines in warming up and the goalkeeping coach Jerry Payton he was new as well and he was a bit soft at the beginning and uh, because they were used to English goalkeeping training or whatsoever so for example uh, when we had some jumping routines they always tried to put a big fat um, mat underneath land on it yeah so when you jumped to land to land softly and i told him listen uh, in the game i have to jump on the pitch as well so uh, take it off and he said no 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 no, it's too dangerous but after a while jerry realized and i think stucky as well that um we had to work hard and game like and um after an even longer while uh, jerry has exaggerated his training that way that I was telling him something. Uh, okay. Very now it's a little bit too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we reduced that to a normal level, but which was still game like. And game like was the most important when I was practicing. And it was all working because the results in the Premier League were obviously fantastic. Um, just played every game and weren't losing. When did you start to realize? That the title before the unbeaten season, that the actual title. When did you start to think Arsenal will win the league that year? I don't know at all when I started to think about that. Did you think about it at all, or were you just going for each game? I went for each game, yeah. And after a while, it became a habit that uh, calling at home, telling my wife, "Oh, we've lost," and she said, "No way, you've lost," because she they were just used to not losing yeah and uh, nobody believed us when we called it home and said oh today we've lost no no that, for some reason she didn't follow it and uh, mm. you know it was probably a bit difficult to follow it at the time uh, or she just had other things to do but they never believed us we were teasing them that we'd lost because uh, yeah everybody saw that we were so good as a team hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But did you realize at the time? Because you're new to English football, did you just think, well, this is what teams do. Sometimes teams go unbeaten. You must have realised at the time that this was very um, unusual. It never happened before. No, not at all. Yeah, because, um, as I said, uh, there was a very tight moment at Manchester United. Mm. And after the game, I called home and said, oh, I love English football. They push you, they punch you, you can punch them, push them, and nobody gets sent off. <laughs> this is perfect for you. It's perfect here, yeah. And uh, after four or five days, I learned that I think three United players and four or five from us got suspended for a game. Yeah. But so it was always um, in the review of games. Sometimes it didn't happen on the pitch. It was. Uh, Punishments came after, and I was actually I was quite proud that uh, at Dortmund I got sent off five times. I never got sent off at Schalke, Milan. Uh, I only got sent off at Dortmund. Uh, at Arsenal, I managed to stay on. Unfortunately, uh, except for one occasion. Yes, we will ask you about that a bit later in the interview. Um, but just going back to the unbeaten season, obviously we won the league at White Hart Lane. Um, the day itself was, uh, everything was going perfectly because I don't know if you remember, but do you remember the game before when Chelsea played Newcastle, we needed Chelsea to drop points so that we could win the league? Were the, were the players following that game earlier in the day? Um, I think so, yes. But it wasn't our priority because we knew that um, we were going to win it anyway, the championship. Um, we didn't know when, but that at this time we're gonna win it uh, we were too focused and we were you know it, it was a we weren't too focused because we had to get results because we were focused because if you probably had a day off in training or whatsoever uh, that you've been told by the others yeah focus uh, do more run more whatsoever and it was a uh, the games were just the a continuation of the training routines. But were the players told, you must have heard it from fans and from the staff around the club, that if we can win the league at, at White Hart Lane, this will, be go, this will go down forever in history. The fans will, will love you forever. Was that extra pressure or you just wanted to win the league whenever you could? I don't think that it was an issue before, but you may ask others. You know, my mm. memory sometimes in that respect is not that great because I was uh, focusing on different things. Mm. Um, and my personal memory, obviously, was that we got uh, we got this penalty against us. It was a dive by Robbie Keane, and um, Arsene was standing at the uh, door of the dressing room, and he was shouting at me. And normally, when you know Arsene, 
Yeah. He only occasionally, 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 occasionally shouts. But this time he was shouting at me and said to me, Jens, I told you so many times, leave it. Yeah. Yeah. We got a penalty because of you. And I was uh, very angry. And then Saul Campbell came in mm. and he wasn't even looking at me, but he was furious um, because he blamed me as well. And then uh, two hours after we knew, okay, we are champions now. And, we arrived at Coney. Uh, two hours later, the boss said to me, oh, Jens, I looked it up again on TV and I have to say, I have to apologize. It wasn't a penalty. But the joy um, of uh, becoming champions at White Hart Lane wasn't that much for me in these hours after the game. Because of that penalty. So you knew, though, that because I think the story is that Sol Campbell thought we needed to win the game and that's why he was so annoyed. He didn't realise immediately that a draw was enough. Did you know that even though they had got that penalty, we were still champions? No, I didn't know. When oh, I, you thought you no. knew we needed to win? Well, no, no, no. I didn't even know when I came to the dressing room. Oh. I was leaving the pitch immediately because I was uh, angry. And then in the dressing room, I told you what happened. And then I think after five or ten minutes, um, Jono came in and said, guys, what's up with you? We are champions. Ah, oh, are we? And um, yeah, we said, okay, let's go out. But we weren't in the mood to celebrate. <laughs> it, yeah. soon, it soon changed. Uh, yeah, it soon changed. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it just took the edge off the celebrations for you. I always remember the photo where Stucky was celebrating. And I, love, I, I liked it. He was, he was holding this plastic cup. Yes, yes, that's right. There's an inflatable trophy. Yes. And then after that, we still needed some games to finish the season unbeaten, um, even though we were champions. And Arsene Wenger talks about reminding the players, look, don't lose any of these last four games. Um, what was that like for you? Did you find it difficult to motivate yourself? Or were you one of the ones who was motivating the rest of the team? I don't know, but it was, as I said, I think it was not easy, but we knew that now we wanted to have a continuation of uh, unbeaten games. And I, I remember it was a tough game at Portsmouth. We were one nil down. Yes. It was, you know, when you're at Portsmouth and it rains and pitches heavy. Uh, we managed to get a good result at the end. And I, I remember, for example, after the first half, Thierry, he loved to take the opportunity um, to shout at me sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when he thought I made a mistake because I was always shouting at him in training. <laughs> <laughs> and so he thought I made a mistake for the first goal. And and Dennis, Dennis, he loved it as well. And uh, I was sitting in the dressing room and I said to myself, oh, I have to raise my game now. And fortunately, I think Thierry equalized and I had a good saves, a couple of good saves after. So I made good for what he thought was a mistake by me. At the time, because there was a lot of pressure on, you know, one mistake. Now, I remember interviewing you at the time and you said, this is a boring question. Goalkeepers always get the blame um, if we concede. I'm used to it. But when it's an unbeaten run and not just um, a game, there must have been more pressure on you, knowing that you would be the one, essentially, who would be to blame for the unbeaten run going. Yes, that's why I tried not to make mistakes. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But did you feel, because there was nothing more to play for then, the title had been done, it was literally just, we don't want to lose a game. It's a different um, mentality, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because all of a sudden you have something to lose. Mm. 
and before you had something to win, and that motivates you a little bit more probably than the other way around. We did completely unbeaten season. You won the Golden Glove Award, 15 clean sheets in your first season. As I said, you played every league game, every Champions League game. How proud are you when you look back on that season now, first season in English football, to, to dominate it like a, uh, as a goalkeeper? Well, I'm proud is probably the wrong expression. Um, I, was, I have to laugh sometimes because when I came to England, I remember after a while, everybody expected his goalkeeper playing high up and sweeping and also coming for crosses. Um, but at the time when I came to England, they were not used to that kind of game and then sometimes I was actually involved in fights there yeah, um, in the box when I came out and um, they said about me oh he's mad he's not a real goalkeeper he's a bit mad but you proved them wrong and, and, and the style has caught on and we see it we see it more now don't we in English football um, just to move it forward then that the run the 49 game unbeaten run obviously ended at Old Trafford um, Arsene Wenger has never forgiven the referee Mike Riley for that game what what are your thoughts when I when I mentioned that game? No, I would say the same. It was so obvious that uh, Wayne Rooney went for a dive. What what was uh, a little bit disappointing for myself is that I wanted to go into this corner where Van Nistelrooy put the penalty, mm. but Patrick he came to me and said, "You know where he's going." So I wanted to go. The first thought is always the best one. I wanted to go in that corner and. Now that Patrick said, uh, you know where he's going, it was the other way around because Van Nistelrooy has put it uh, onto the crossbar in the previous year. So I said, okay, I go to this corner and obviously uh, he scored. So you should have gone with the ori- your original thought? I should have gone with my thought, yeah. Mm. I should have. And then it probably would have been a draw. And then obviously after the game, it must have been a lot of emotions. That's when we know about everything that happened in the in the tunnel after that game. Have you ever seen anything like that uh, since or, or before yeah a year before it was the same and i thought oh it's every time the same here <laughs> yeah it's it it's, uh, belongs to the to the aftermath of the game here that uh, managers stand in front of each other and try to punch each other <laughs> <laughs> because a year before they already were having a fight um this uh year i think it was was it the pizza gate yes yeah, I mean, the young player came in our dressing room and he was hungry and probably had taken too much pizza and instead of eating it, he threw it <laughs> to Alex Ferguson's, uh, where was it, chin, forehead? I th- I, yeah, you, you'll have to tell me. I don't know. I was, I didn't see it. I think it was half neck, half shoulder. Did that change anything once you saw this huge reaction? Did you think, oh, this is getting, this is going too far? No, I liked it. I liked it because um, I wasn't involved. Second time, mm. I wasn't really involved. The only thing I did was I was um, quite late and I saw the bunch of players in front of me, the two managers standing, uh, confronting each other. Um, and I was spilling water from behind onto the whole crowd. <laughs> it was like um, petrol in, onto a fire. You, you, in, you inflamed the situation, I yes, think. Yes, I inflamed the situation a little bit. Uh, but without getting involved, I saw security guys there and our players and the managers. And it was just a, an accusation of uh, betrayal and what's over because of the penalty. Again, a penalty. So do you think, um, looking back, it's probably for the best that you weren't more involved? It could have, it could have gone too far. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, I'm I'm a guy. I'm I'm quite calm. Um, unless you provoke me or you punch me or you whatever, then yeah. I hit back. Somebody told me it's my star sign. I'm a Scorpio. Yeah, but um, yeah, normally the intention never starts with me. We talked about Mike Riley and your your relationship with referees generally in English football. You said you didn't get sent off uh, in the Premier League, which is true, but you did pick up eight yellow cards in one season, which is a record for a goalkeeper. How would you describe your relationship with the, the English referees? Mm, they just didn't know about the game I was playing. And they thought, okay, keeper has to stand on his line as soon as he comes out. You can, devo- you can do whatever you want with him. Yeah, you can kick him, you can punch him, you can push him. And I realized that quite early, so I made sure that um, whoever came near to me, that I had to be the first one to hit yeah, because um, there's a rule in football. It's either me or him. Mm. I always like to decide for him. That means that um, either me or him means uh, getting the pain. So I never wanted to get the pain. So I um, had to try to hit first and to make sure that if I came out for crosses or whatsoever, that uh, the opposition got uh, at least a little bit scared. Do you think it's changed in English football? Do you think it's now more your style that goalkeepers are maybe a bit more protected i don't know it i think it was uh actually down to peter check and uh, mm. carlo curicini i mean that was a very bad day yeah for for the for the two goalkeepers and obviously um i think that has changed something because uh, peter had such a, a dangerous injury that could have cost him more than just metal plate in his head i mean mm. enormous as well and a couple of minutes later, the second goalkeeper got knocked out. And uh, I remember, for example, that um, I always admired Peter. And I said that in the press that um, I feel very sorry for him. And I hope that um, because he's such a great keeper, he will recover soon. And Carlo Culicini as well. And that uh, now the referees um, have to see that certain behavior which cannot be tolerated. And I remember I was uh, a couple of days later, I was crossing Sloan Street. And all of a sudden, in the middle of Sloan Street, where two buses uh, were crossing each other, Joe Mourinho, Jose Mourinho came and said, uh, I appreciate what you said about my keepers. Well done. So because he was at a hairdresser or whatever, and he saw me and he rushed out. And in the middle of the Sloan Street, street he said, I appreciate what oh, really? my keepers. Yeah. All right. And then that changed, that helped to change the way that goalkeepers were refereed. In, yeah. yeah, because I was, um, when you see that the goalkeeper uh, is a victim of some brutal attacks, then it changes more than um, in my case, because I never got hurt. I think I had a very good technique in coming out and protecting myself. Yeah, raising your, your knee. and Yes, my knee. My knee was my best friend. so that's the first half of our chat with Jens there's much more to come in part 2 next Tuesday when he tells us about the 2006 Champions League run and his relationships with Manuel Almunia and Oliver Kahn so be sure to subscribe to the show from your usual podcast provider so it will automatically download for you and while you're at it we'd love to see your reviews and ratings too thanks again to our partners at Lavazza remember if you're in the UK you can purchase your favourite coffee at lavazza.co.uk That's all from us this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.